another movie from an old TV show. Uh, what are you gonna do? Walk out. They go where no one else dares. They do what no one else can. So when there's only one chance to get it right, they're the ones to call. Who are you people? Damn, I hate to fly. But they only answer to me. My name is Charlie. Angels. Good morning, Charlie. Your mission today is to do a podcast about video games and movies. It's going to be called Operation Cinema Arcade. I don't think this is a Charlie voice. I don't know. Uh, you can't I think hear it's his voice close. I think enough. that was pretty close. Yeah. like a 50s announcer. Okay, I'll take that. I think that's kind of his vibe, <laughs> right? Um, Honestly, kind of, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Well, welcome to Cinema Arcade, everybody. Today's episode is all about Charlie's Angels. We're talking about the 2000 film series along with the GameCube game that comes after it. Uh, I'm very excited to get started. Uh, I am Steve Guntley, acting as today's Charlie. And with me, I've got my three angels, uh, the sexy one, the smart one, and the tough one. Please introduce yourself and tell me which angel you are, please. No rush. Don't hurry. <laughs> um, I'm J-Ban. Uh, <laughs> I'm <Claim> an angel. <laughs> And I like Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but that doesn't tell us which one of the... Does that? Is Lucy Lou the She's smart the one or one. the sexy one? She's the smart one, I think. No, Natalie's the smart one. You didn't watch the movie. Oh, my God. Okay, <laughs> we're starting like this already. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Well, who else is here with us today? Hi, I'm Justin. Uh, I'm the one that's there. Oh, okay. You're the you're the present angel. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. You're you're kind of like a punctuality spice. Yeah. No, I get that. And uh, we have a special guest joining us today. A person who's often been in the shadows of this podcast. Uh, Rivet the dog is here. <laughs> Hi, Rivet the dog. Rivet, say Rude. something. Welcome. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the, the sound of a licking me. This is good radio. It's the sound of a puppy licking a microphone. <laughs> I feel like. Normally the Charlie and you're my Bosley, and then I text you from the other room, and then you communicate to your angels. Oh, that is true. It's that true. is true. Yeah, you are often like the uh, the behind the scenes shark biologist. I guess is your is Killer your role. whales are whales. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Okay, you clarified that. It's Ailish Collins is here. Hi, Ailish. Hello. Well, glad you could be here talking about what I have heard you call your favorite movie. All right. Okay, it's a dog party up in here now. This. is... I hope that when somebody, the first, like, when you first hear the dog licking, that somebody thought it was one of us and was like, what are they doing? J-Band's just licking the microphone. Oh, she got uh, distracted. That's not me. We put some peanut butter on it. I don't know. She just went for it. Um, but, you know, Ailish has identified this movie as uh, her favorite film that's, in the past to me. Like, uh, I don't think that's true, but yes, I appreciate the hyperbole. Okay, all right. Well, you, either way, it's fair to say you are a fan slash defender of this movie. I do genuinely enjoy this movie. Okay, all right. 
Well, I'm glad you could be here for this. Uh, before we get anything going here, I need to uh, confess something here because I was looking at my notes. Now, to, to peek behind the scenes a little bit, uh, we went out, we had a couple of drinks last night. <laughs> we got a little silly. And then this, I don't remember everything that happened, but this morning I opened up my notes and uh, at the top of the, my notes sheet, in bold with a question mark at the end, biblically accurate Charlie's Angels? Yeah. I don't know what I meant by that. Ailish, do you know what I, I guess? By that? I guess I just, <laughs> based on how hard you're laughing right I guess, now. I guess I just imagined it's a Charlie, it's like Cameron Diaz covered in Are eyes. Are you legitimately crying? Oh, <laughs> yeah conversation about biblically accurate Charlie's <laughs> I do not remember this. They just all become one form, but it's their eyes just make a circle. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Like our human our, our human senses cannot comprehend when them. When you see them, you explode, which is why they're so good at their jobs. <laughs> all right. Either way, I think I've got the seed for a sketch comedy bit there. Uh, biblically accurate Charlie's Angels. It was just very important that I wrote that. Um, so, of course, we are going to be talking about the original uh, 2000 film today, uh, and this one was released November 3rd, 2000. Now, first of all, if there was ever a movie I would have assumed was a summer movie, it was this Charlie's Angels movie, and this yet is this is a November fun. release. This is a, this is an awards season push. So you can watch it at Thanksgiving with your grandma. You can, absolutely. Uh, this was directed by Mick G, written by Ryan Rowe, Ed Solomon, and John August, and it stars Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, Bill Murray, Sam Rockwell, Kelly Lynch, Crispin Glover, Tim Curry, Luke Wilson, Matt LeBlanc, and Tom Green, who I will have much to say about. Uh, before we get into kind of the history of what Charlie's Angels are for all those uh, younger listeners out there... Uh, what was your guys' experience with this movie? Like, when did you see it? Were you fans of this movie? Are you uh, uh, anti this movie? There's a lot of valid uh, opinions to take on this one. Um, I will start because I have a similar opinion to normal. Uh, I was aware that this movie existed. Okay. That was my entire knowledge of this movie. That's not bad. I was also aware that a sequel existed. Mm -hmm. And I think at one point I knew that there was a television show that this was based off of. Okay. I'd never seen any of it. So this was new to me. Okay. But your general familiarity with the property but not really engaged with it at all. Yeah. I think uh, like I had – I don't remember seeing the advertisement on TV but I know I did. Yeah. And so, like, the connotations that I had carried along with it were just, like, whatever snippets I had gotten from watching it, like, the ad on TV. Okay. But that were the trailer. But that was, like, it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Javen, did you see this one before or was this new to you? Uh, no, I've seen it before. I saw it years and years and years ago, probably on DVD when it came out. Um, I definitely uh, – also, um, there's something, like, girls have a tendency to be, like – let, let's pose for a picture and then let's do Charlie's Angels. It's a thing. Um, it's a common pose. It's a, it's a common pose. Even I've done that. Um, and uh, so um, I never watched the original show, but I was definitely aware of the whole like, good morning, Charlie, mm -hmm. uh, that type of thing um, that goes on. Um, and I remember I was a really big fan uh, of Drew Barrymore. I love Ever After. Mm. Uh, like, I love Ever After. It's my sick day movie. Okay. Um, and so, uh, like, anything Drew Barrymore really can't do anything wrong in my eyes. Fair. I just want to add in here, uh, because I remembered something that was 
adjacent to this. I did watch Totally Spies, which was a show on Cartoon Network that was, yes. I can only imagine, heavily influenced by this movie. Okay. Um, I don't think it was influenced by this movie. Or at least the totally genre. Totally Spies, it came out in like 2000. 2001, I just 2001, checked. and it was okay. Italian. Was it Italian? It was it? Italian. I'm and not familiar we all with know this show that. at all. Do you know this show, Jamie? Charlie's. I'm. What? I I know the front, like the like the advertisement for it. Okay. I do think it was inspired by the original show, but not okay. the movie, probably. Yeah. All right. Fair. I watched a lot of Totally Spies. Same. Yeah. Same. I mean, this sure. was an influential show. I think I'm in a similar boat where I I saw this movie when it came out, but I still to this day have never seen an episode of the show but i'm very aware of its cultural impact let's go into that a little bit so charlie's angels the show first debuted on tv in 1976 and uh, like the movie it's centered on a trio of uh, beautiful accomplished women who run secret ops for an unseen billionaire benefactor named charlie townsend who runs kind of like a private security firm uh, the show was created by Ivan Goff and Ben Roberts, and it was produced by a legendary TV mogul named Aaron Spelling, who uh, oh. already had a bunch of huge hits under his belt, including the Mod Squad, SWAT, and the Love Boat. And obviously, he would go on to whole new heights in the 90s, thanks to Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, Charmed, lots of—this guy's fig- fingerprints are basically everywhere in TV. Uh, Charlie's Angels was not his biggest hit, but it might be one of the most iconic. It's very— it's it's quintessential 70s camp. I think the phrase that was coined, and this is not my phrase, it was coined by a uh, television executive in the, the 70s, and they called it Jiggle TV. Oh. Jiggle TV is <laughs> like what they, they called watch? this. Uh, they made huge stars out of the three original angels. That was Kate Jackson, Jacqueline Smith, and Farrah Fawcett. Now, Farrah Fawcett in particular is kind of like synonymous with like 70s beauty. Right, like the the feathered hair and like the the outfits and everything like that. She was you you know Farrah Fawcett from the pinup poster that she posed for in the the seventy six or seventy seven. I think it was in conjunction with this show. It became the best selling poster of all time for whoever charts however many posters are selling. The Farrah Fawcett poster is the best selling of all time. It hangs in the Smithsonian. Are you now. saying that more people had Farrah Fawcett posters than Scarface posters? I, I mean, I, I I have to wonder. I mean, there maybe the tide has turned, but yeah, I have to wonder. Um, you know, but yeah, uh, this yeah, like we said, they called it Jiggle Television. But despite or most likely because of this objectification, the show was a really huge hit in its early years. The cast would lose members and fold in new ones. Like I didn't realize Farrah Fawcett was only on this show the first season because she's so like kind of synonymous with this show to me. Um, but the ratings quickly dropped off and the show was canceled in 1981. But the concept actually proved kind of enduring. The cast would reunite for TV movies throughout the 80s. And there were a bunch of different international versions. So the Mexican version is just called Angeles. The German version is called Wilde Engels. And the Chinese version is just called Asian Charlie's Angels, which oh. feels a little lazy. But hey, they named it that. Um, Wait, and- now, was that one produced by people in china or was yeah. that one produced by americans that's the that's the differentiation yeah it was made in china like i think it would be really offensive if it was oh, just like that's what so, so offensive they tried to do a reboot in uh 1989 that was just gonna be called angels 89 and it was gonna start taya leone before she was famous but uh, that never actually happened but the show did become hugely popular in syndication and on networks like nick at night 
So the film version that we're talking about today came about thanks to Drew Barrymore. Uh, she had a brand new production studio called Flower Films. They just made their first movie called Never Been Kissed, which was a big, big hit romantic comedy. And uh, she was looking for a new project to kind of help transition her career to this new phase. Uh, I'd hate to recommend other podcasts on this podcast, but the You Must Remember This podcast recently did a really good episode about Drew Barrymore and about her kind of career path. She wasn't sort of known as like a wild child up until about this point. Like she had numerous stints in rehab and she was always like dating troublesome guys and like kept doing a lot of wild roles that required a lot of like nudity or, or sexually explicit themes. And she was really trying to switch away from that. And this was her chance to kind of be an action star. So her and her partners, they hired a uh, music video director, Joseph McGinty Nickel, AKA Mick G who makes his feature film debut here. And she cast herself as uh, Dylan, the tough party, the hard partying, tough girl, angel, Cameron Diaz, who was then kind of at the height of her movie star power, she came in to play Natalie. And then Lucy Liu, who was sort of a a, a newbie for a lot of people, she came in uh, to play she Alex. She was on um, Ally McBeal. She was on Ally McBeal at this time. I think she'd had a role in like the Mel Gibson movie Payback. But yes, yeah, she was not a big name yet. This... I would argue that she probably got the biggest boost off of this movie than any of the three of them because she was kind of like a household name for a while after this. Um, of course, the sexist nature of the, you know, well, okay, I guess I should specify Bill Murray was brought in to play Bosley in the first movie, which is a pretty big get because, you know, Bill Murray does not really answer his phone very often. But this ultimately proved to be kind of problematic because he and Lucy Liu had some really, really vicious fights with each other on set. And, of course, you know, with the media being horribly sexist, Lucy Liu is immediately deemed as being difficult, quote-unquote, which usually is just code for this woman stood up to someone or acted the way a male co-star did. white men can't be difficult? Yeah, shockingly. Yeah, no, they're just just eccentric (laughs) or brilliant, you know? Uh, but misunderstood. Yeah. You forgot misunderstood. Misunderstood. Oh, that's that's it. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. you know they're they're eclectic. Uh, but the details of this kind of came out later. It's Bill Murray, famously difficult to work with. He does not come to rehearsals and he does not read the script. He just kind of shows up on the day. They give him some beats that he has to hit, and then he improvises everything. That's just his working style. So one day while they were uh, they were reblocking a scene with the three angels and the director. And he was supposed to be there, but he didn't show up. So when he showed up on the day and found that the scene was different, he started taking it out on Lucy Liu and hurling some racist epithets at her, uh, to which she countered and argued back, which good for her. Um, You know, and she just says she says today that she bears him no ill will. She's run into him several times and they, they get along fine now. But this got out in the media and basically like kind of snowballed into a little bit of a story to the point where Bill Murray was not invited back for the second movie. Uh, he was pretty fair. It seems fair. Yeah. I'm glad that they vote. They went like, instead of not inviting Lucy Liu back, for I'm, the next movie. I'm glad they sided with her. Cause they replaced Bosley with Bernie Mac in the second movie, which uh, full throttle uh, came out in 2003. I, I would say that's a less good movie, but it is, it does have Bernie movie. Mac. It does okay. have Bernie Mac in it. And Shia LaBeouf. And Shia LaBeouf, and yeah. Shia LaBeouf Long, Very oh, young man. Shia LaBeouf. Um, yeah, and anyway, that movie made money. Like, both of these movies made a lot of money, but the, the reception for Full Throttle was bad enough that I think it kind of killed the franchise. There were two more movies planned that never happened. 
then then uh, they tried to reboot this for TV in 2011. That was canceled before the whole full season aired. And then there was a 2019 movie with Kristen Stewart directed by Elizabeth Banks that they were trying to. Has anyone seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. Has anyone seen that movie? I've seen it. I've seen it. It's uh, unfocused. I think that's the biggest problem. It's just kind of like all over the place. It's all kind of stuff. It's kind of a Bosley movie, weirdly enough. Like Bosley is the focus of that movie. I thought there was too much Bosley in this movie, quite frankly. Arguably, like, yeah. We don't. Bosley needs to be there. It's like like a little aperitif, you know, yeah. just a little t- like a little smidgen, Ooh. like a little Ooh. sprinkle, like paprika. Yeah, just, you know, just a little bit of Bosley. Like we did not need as much Bosley as we got in this movie. I wonder if it was a situation of where. Somebody in the upper levels was like, hey, we have Bill Murray. We're paying Bill Murray. We're using Bill Murray. Totally. Well, yeah, totally. But still, like, I still don't think it's needed in any way, shape or form. I, the second movie is also pretty. Bo- the second movie is also pretty Bosley heavy, but with Bernie Mac as Bosley instead. And I think the Bosley heaviness of that movie actually works better okay yeah I, it's i've only seen that one once and it's been a while so i don't remember many of the details of that one but bernie mac's just more endearing i like bernie Bosley. mac a lot yeah, yeah yeah um all right well let's get into this movie because this one is for a 70s throwback <laughs> this is so utterly of its time this is it's such so a 2000 this is the most 2000 movie ever made like it's it's I mean, pretty insane. Uh, the the intro of the movie, I was like, okay, well, we already have corn playing. Yep. So first thing, is, corn. Yeah. This is a two thousands movie, and then uh, LL Cool J. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, I see where we're going. This is feeling a lot like uh, was it Mission Impossible two? Yeah, with mm-hmm. the masks. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you know having Limp Biscuit to do the the main theme <laughs> and stuff. I was like. I can see where this is. It felt very similar vibes to me. Yeah. Um, except obviously with a twist of the main characters are women, and this may have been the most written by men movie I've ever seen. There's, it's definitely that. This movie is the byproduct of a couple of different movements at this time. The first of them is the Matrix, obviously, with all the slow mo kung fu. This this wire fu stuff that they're doing here actually predates. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I think Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon took a hint from Charlie. You Angels. think so? You I think, think Ang- yeah. I think it was heavily inspired. You think Ang Lee's just watching this movie and a light bulb goes off and he's just like, "Yeah, let's do it for my my beautiful poetic like epic. Let's let's crib from Mix G." Um, but yeah, it's so we have a lot of that. We have the Matrix style fighting and the the wire foo and all the quick cuts and everything. The other big influence here, I would argue, is the Spice Girls, because we are at peak girl power with this movie, which is, okay, I don't know how y'all feel about the girl power thing when that happened, but to me, it was always pretty obvious that this was a excuse to get women wearing less and less and still sort of. Uh, perpetuate a male gaze sort of fantasy, but with a, a female a, empowerment. It's a weird movie. mix. Yeah, like it's a weird mix because like there's a weird fine line between empowerment and like exploitation. It's like like even back to the 70s with uh, black exploitation and um, sex exploitation movies. Yeah. There's just like when you have a woman in power and punching someone, they're automatically going to sexualize that. Uh, and so, unlike you, like, this game. <laughs> We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, uh, I don't know if I don't know if a world exists where a woman in power 
doesn't isn't sexualized like i don't i i, I don't know <laughs> like it's it's such a weird way of like presenting it because this is aiming to be like the kick-ass girls movie and i think there there was a male interpretation of feminism around this time that's like oh okay yeah no our movie is really feminist girls punch guys a lot yeah, that's all, that's you need, all right? it needs. That's it. There's nothing else that you need to do or not do no. to make this a proper like. Well, you know. something that I really like about this movie is that um, the the angels are they've got shit going on, and I feel like that's something that. Um, Again, it's a low bar, mm-hmm. but it's at least a bar that they pass. They 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 have their shit going on. They've got boyfriends. They each have their own individual romantic strategy. Yeah. Um. They definitely like. Um. They're. Um. They actually are actively engaged in romance. Like yeah. Some of them are um, like in a long term relationship. One of them's uh sort of incompetent, uh, and adorably incompetent. Oh, okay. Um, I I I want to talk about these boyfriends real quick. Oh, All right. I so want to take a look. Li- yeah. No, please. Uh, something my flatmate said is that like all the service industry people are incredibly attractive white dudes. Very <laughs> like, LA. Yeah. Yeah. But, like like there's no way these men would have those jobs <laughs> all right i i, I need I mean, to dig into these boyfriends really quick because these are insane <laughs> choices here so cameron diaz yeah. is uh flirting and kind of forms a relationship with luke wilson okay i get it 2000 luke wilson i get it he's kind of at the height of his powers or whatever i get that lucy Liu is dating matt leblanc from friends yeah. who is like <laughs> a vain movie star fine i get that and then we get the weirdest the pairing, Chad. which is Drew Barrymore and Tom Green, who was her real life husband at this time. Now, do I need to explain Tom Green to the younger folks here? <laughs> yes, actually, because I don't no. know who Tom Green is. You're on board. Alice is on board. Tom Green had one of the weirdest fucking careers I can imagine. He sprung up. He's a Canadian comedian. He sprung up in like 1999, 2000, doing like bits on MTV. He got his own show and his whole gag is just being as annoying as humanly possible to strangers until they like smack him. Like that's his whole bit. And he, they tried to make him a movie star off of that. And he was married to one of the most beautiful women in the world off of that. And then I think by about 2002, we all just collectively agreed as a culture that like, yeah, no, we're done with this. We're not going to talk about this. You're going, you're going in the back room with Pauly Shore. Like we're, we're not talking to you anymore, Tom Don't Green. Don't versions on Pauly Shore. He's Are you defending the weasel? I'm defending Pauly Shore. He's contributed to society. <laughs> Unlike Tom Green. Okay. No, yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm still a little baffled that Tom Green was as big of a thing uh, as he was big enough that he would get a supporting role in this movie where he is just doing his shtick where he's just saying annoying things. He's acting like a confused child and just like kind of wandering around. Honestly, that was a very accurate depiction of (laughs) just confused child. Yeah. Yeah. That was his whole bit. I still remember like a talk show appearance. He made. like he came on with his parents and he was just holding an uncooked turkey on his lap that was wearing like leather bondage gear and it was never explained and that was just his bit that was just that was just kind of his bit anyway yeah tom green uh immortalized in amber in the charlie's angels movie okay so that's enough about the boyfriends i do want to talk about the angels themselves because i think the reason that this movie is successful and i am going to come down and say that it is successful this is 
one of the dumbest imaginable movies, but it works on the wavelength it's going for, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I think so much of that success is because of the three women in the leads. I think all three of them pop. They all seem like they're here to play and here to have a good time. And I think they all got pretty big career boosts off of this. Am I... Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I would I would agree. I don't know how much of a career boost Cameron Diaz got, frankly, because she, she was, was already, already pretty, pretty big. big. But Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore, definitely, this was a big, a big movie for them. Yeah. No, this definitely, I think this effectively did, like, redefine Drew Barrymore's career, even though she didn't really do a lot more action movie stuff. But it did prove, like, okay, yeah, she's like a leading lady and, like, she can carry a movie. It also showed she had comedic chops. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I think all three of them are fun. You know, I have Bill Murray, like, yeah, I agree. It's a little bit too much paprika in the stew, but like he, he is fun. And I think this was my introduction to Sam Rockwell as well. Like, oh, my God. Sam Rockwell, the dancer. <laughs> Sam he, Rockwell. That man loves to dance on screen. That's his like Brad Pitt likes to eat. Sam Rockwell likes to do little dances and he's really good at it. I just... Um, when when I saw Sam Rockwell, I was like, oh, my God, this is like a, to me, young Sam Rockwell. I like this. I, I, I've always enjoyed Sam Rockwell, even when he is the bad guy. He's just so good. And he plays a so femme fatale. Things. He is kind of a femme fatale. He's yeah. like a he's like a himbo, right? Like he's like, Same yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think you know what a himbo is. I don't think you know what a himbo <laughs> is. Yeah. It's a male bimbo. I know what that is. Uh-huh. He, he, all right. All right. At first, he's doing okay. First, so he's, I'm he's gonna, like a nerd. I'm gonna throw around another uh, uh, catchphrase here. He starts off as a manic pixie dream boy because mm-hmm. he's just kind of like cute and hapless and like uh, needs needs everybody to do More everything accurate. for him. Uh, and then he becomes a himbo when he reveals his true identity. I, that's he's not, not that's, a he's not a himbo. He's still no, slutty. No, no, he is no. so slutty. That, that's not it. That's not the. To be dumb, and he's not. He's dumb. not dumb. He's Does it need to be dumb? Yes. Okay. Yeah, a himbo needs to be like a simp. Okay. Yeah. I did not know we had such strong um, opinions on this. Okay. So um, Chris Hemsworth in uh, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah. That's, it. that's quintessential himbo. Okay. That's a good himbo. Okay. The new Ghostbusters? There's, like, yeah, there's the no duplicity one, yeah. in a himbo. That's what makes the, that's the part of the appeal of the himbo is that there's no duplicity in them. Okay. I, I literally see. don't remember Chris Hemsworth being in the movie. Oh, he's great in that movie. He's kind of the best it's part really of that funny, movie. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. in that, uh, is that the one that came out? You said 2016. Yeah, this is the female Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Oh, not Afterlife. Yeah, no, I've no, only he's seen not one Ghostbusters movie. So. And you've seen the worst one. Oh my god. Right. I still like Afterlife. Oh, we're we're gonna I fight about that. Fun. There's a game. There's a game. We're gonna fight about that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do the whole Ghostbusters series on here. Um, yeah, but I mean, th- this movie is relentless. Like to a point where, like, I think if this was longer than ninety-eight minutes, it would be insufferable. I think it's the exact right length for Ugh, this kind of like popcorn. I was so movie. relieved that we were finally watching a movie that wasn't three hours long. Yes. <laughs> like, just... Yeah, they've been getting longer. <laughs> We've had some longer. I mean, I Toys was not three hours long, but it did feel it was like over it felt two like hours. It was, it was like two twenty. Yeah, it was like two ten or something like that, which is insufferable and and then scarface is a solid three yeah oh, Two oh my hours gosh in 50 minutes so th- yeah oh yeah things that i um a, a younger uh jennifer a younger j band uh would think about this movie like that she would have loved and that she did love at the time was um uh, like i love the 
change outfits in every single scene. Yes. <laughs> There's so much like clothes changing. Um, like let's let's just call it out. There's some racial insensitivity. Um, yeah. Little bit, a couple like, different varieties. In, yeah. In a couple of different ways of like it definitely is. You're like. And it's it's really this is kind of where I struggle with how to process this movie because it's like um, they're they're dressing in such ways that it's like these are spirit Halloween like ideas of what a sexy woman would wear like if they're trying to be seductive like it's yeah. a sexy nurse costume. Are we it's just a- gonna pretend that later Hosen wasn't briefly in and considered cute and cool in the 2000s? You are lying. That can't be true. There Is was that a true? Barbie. There was there dolls were wearing the later Hosen. Did I completely sleep on the later Hosen phase? It was like the whole phase? peasant look, like the peasant top. <laughs> And the later hosen fits in there. Oh, I want to look like a Bavarian milk girl. It's like yes. the big puffy sleeves and the billowy tops. I, I cannot believe I missed this trend. Yeah, yeah it was a whole... J-Ban, back me up here. It was a thing. It was it a was, thing. The, the heavy <laughs> sigh. So disappointed. The heavy sigh. Then... <laughs> okay, I completely missed it. Like, I, I, I didn't clock that this was like meant I, to be I like... I once, uh, for uh, an ex-boyfriend Ooh. of mine, I um, once bought him... Um, uh, um, Edelweiss uh, suspenders at a thrift shop, <laughs> and you could actually get Edelweiss suspenders at a thrift shop. Amazing! At okay. That time. Um, okay. All right. It was definitely a thing. Wow. Um, it was. It was fashionable. Um, well, with fashion cool. trends being what they are, that's about to come back around, I, right? Like, like you, every twenty years, isn't that the rule? Their sexualized outfits were very in and very cute. Like even when they were sexualized, they were still they were still fucking popping for girls too. I mean, look, they they're they undeniably they all look great in this movie, obviously, but like. They, it's that balance of like again, Justin. You mentioned it's a very male uh, writers' oh. room. It's a very male director, and it's hard. I I think you can make an argument that the angels are using these outfits to subvert expectations, but I wonder if that's what the movie's intentions I are. Think, I think it's a combination. It they it's a have your cake and eat it too thing. Well, they're they're cheeky and they're in on it. It's yeah. not like they they don't know what they're wearing or they're being coerced into wearing it. They're choosing to wear these outfits because they want to wear these outfits and because that they so like I don't feel like any of them were coerced into wearing a belly dancing outfit. No. Uh but at the same time it's a little <laughs> like really um, uh, I, yeah i definitely did not feel great when they trot out lucy Liu to play the asian masseuse uh who's like stomping on tim curry's back i'm like all right uh, we haven't even talked about tim curry oh yeah uh, tim, tim curry's in this yeah 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 uh, that's all i have to say about it tim curry's in this i love tim curry he's I great too. i love yeah. tim curry as he's well. doing his thing um, no, they they've got some good villain. Well, like he's kind of the uh, the misdirect villain. Like he turns out yeah, to not actually be the bad the guy. Hearing. But we do get kind of a nice weird late career resurgence for Crispin Glover in this. He, I so in some ways I feel like he makes the movie because he actually brings this menace to the movie that you really fear for the angels. Because yeah. so many so much of what the angels do is like over the top bombastic Michelin Mission Impossible style stunts and you're just like you're not I'm not worried when they jump out of a plane, but when they're fighting Crispin Glover and he's like smelling their hair, that I'm look, worried for can them. We that talk about the lock scream. of hair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that Is that her hair? 
Yeah, he cuts okay. it off yeah. of her head and he, like he then he's like, it. there's so many different wigs that get used that I lost track of what everybody's proper hair color was. Well, okay, I lost track of her hair color. Yeah. Everybody else, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that was creepy. Yeah. That was It was exactly creepy. creepy. And like, Crispin Glover had kind of not really been doing much in the 90s. Like, you know, we know him from Back to the Future and like a couple of like indie films from the 80s. And then he kind of went away for a long time. And this was sort of brought him back. To a point where you we were talking earlier about the movie Willard, Willard that comes out after this, where it's like, oh shit, this is a star vehicle for Crispin Glover in 2003, and it's weird and it's great. He um, also makes a comeback in Full Throttle, and he gets a backstory to explain why he sniffs the hair. That's oh, right. What, yeah. what, what, what the was the You gotta tell me this backstory. It's not the most well thought out backstory. Uh, he was an orphan who was raised by nuns, and he hated when they cut his hair. And that's the story. Okay. I don't know if that, like, I was hoping that there'd be something that at least. There was like, uh, the, the nun who was cutting his hair, she had a lock that was like hanging out of her, her wimple. And she was cutting his hair and he freaked out and he pulled her hair out. Her what? Her wimple. That's the habit, like the thing that they oh, wear on their head. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, I'm not up on nun fashion. The, the well, you should be. be before nun core nun. fashion is coming back. Speaking right. of nuns, there was a nun <laughs> in the first class uh, cabin oh. of that plane that bef- <laughs> in, in the opening scene. And I was like, that, there's no way a nun would be in the first class cabin of that that scene. There's there no would way. be if she's actually selling drugs in Miami and building her empire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sister Montana. Yeah, exactly. I Sorry. I did love the uh, LL Cool J also misdirect. I was like, oh, he's gonna be in this movie. Oh no, it's a mask. It's a weird, a really weird looking mask <laughs> where Drew Barrymore is wearing. Literally it's, blackface, but like it's it's so obviously weird and fake. Like it, it it's like it. my my favorite two thousands action slash spy movie trope of like there's gonna be a moment where somebody who's clearly not been in a mask this whole time is going to be revealed to be somebody else in a mask. Yeah, <laughs> and as soon as they go for the reveal, you're gonna be like, oh god, this is gonna be so bad. What do you guys think about? Uh, Mick G as a director, because I was looking at his, this is his first film role. He was a music video director before this. His reputation is kind of as one of the worst directors alive. Uh, (laughs) I don't think he's that bad. I think it's definitely like it's high volume. Like this, there's lots of action. There's lots of musically driven action. Um, And like, I could definitely see like you could, do cut this movie up and it could be a bunch of different music videos uh well yeah i mean uh, yeah but, it, it's the soundtrack is non-stop like you yeah. never get a pause like, I, where there's no any music i love how hard they must have gone into just like finding as many songs as possible with the word angel in it and yeah. then figuring out which ones fit the movie yeah yeah there really were a lot uh, of there's like 10 yeah. yes and of course destiny's child was so big they yeah independent woman yeah they they wrote it for charlie's angels oh yeah. i didn't know yeah. they wrote it for it i thought it was an That's existing well tune. they they name check the three actresses in the opening line of that song so, oh uh, uh lucy lou my girl drew cameron d yeah they're all the independent women can we get more destiny child lyrics from you uh sure uh i don't want no scrubs <laughs> uh i want to party all night and every day that's them, right? I don't think that's I them. I don't think it's, no Scrubs, I don't think, is them. Hey. I don't think, it, I think No Scrubs is TLC. But yeah. yeah, TLC. Uh, to, to quote Destiny's Child, just let it be. Let it be. 
Let it go. Hey, That's Jude, let it be. <laughs> yeah. Let it be. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if you've heard of them. That, that no, wasn't no. what I thought I wanted, but it turned out to be what I wanted. This is the, this is the, we're now in the world of the movie Yesterday, and I've never heard of this band you tell me about. <laughs> yes. I thought it was so funny because the, they were like, there was a big period in the 2000s where they were definitely trying to promote music in movies so that you could get the soundtrack like uh for example uh austin powers had great soundtracks because people Um, were still buying cds back then right yeah yeah Yeah. and like nowadays there's really no impetus but i do miss like just a song that describes the plot of the movie you just watched like maybe like mc hammer raps it in their credits or something like that i miss those days you know yeah bring that back i need to understand what i saw through music (laughs) Um, No, but I mean, look, this movie is really flashy and dumb. And like, I I think I think Mick G is the right choice here. I think he would be the wrong choice for later movies like a Terminator film, for example, or, uh, you know, a serious drama about a dead football team. I don't think this movie is dumb. I think it's fun. And I think it's very easy to feel like something fun is dumb, but I don't think it's necessarily true. I think that this is um, like... It's bombastically fun. It's very cheeky. Like Cameron Diaz is so exceptionally bad at her dancing. Like everyone oh is but so like, enthusiastic. So enthusiastic uh, and just wiggling. Uh, I, I thought it was really funny that uh, they uh, they had um, the was it the big butt song and yeah. she has yeah. such a yeah. tiny butt. This was um, an era when big butts were not in. Yeah. They were yeah. no, they were not in at the in the 2000s. The, the amount of scenes in this movie where it was just her shaking her butt was a lot higher than I was expecting going into the movie. I still remember her acceptance speech at the MTV Movie Awards around for this movie. She got named like best actress and her whole acceptance speech, I could say it verbatim is I'm blonde, I shake my ass, and you guys give me awards. Thank you so much. That was her whole speech. Great. She she understands her persona, and, and uh, she understands wh- what she was bringing to that role. I mean, she's very endearing in that yeah. role. Oh, she absolutely yeah. is. Yeah, no, I think she's. I think they're all great in this. Well, yeah. it's so funny. Like You compare this movie to something like The Hangover, Yeah. Uh, where um, there's a group of people who have chemistry, and it's very, like, lighthearted. Uh, and, like, I feel like this one has, like, such a... An interesting balance of being lighthearted and very action driven. Yeah. I personally think where it drops the ball for me is I really like action and I feel like the action sequences are a little sad. Um, the because... wire foo in this is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I, I, I think this is a time where we were not giving like a lot of credence to media meant for girls or meant for women. <laughs> mm. I do think this movie is like a precursor to the raunchy female friend group driven yeah. comedies we have now. Like we have bridesmaids because of this movie. I'm going out. I'm going big there. <laughs> no, okay. I, 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 I right. that's true. Bridesmaids because of Charlie's Angels. Um, but you know, we really like it. it it's a fun movie, but they definitely didn't put as much like love into the action sequences as they would for a male-driven movie. Yeah. There was the, well, the women's media kind of got the short end of the stick a lot in this time. I think this was also a really low ebb for action movies in general mm-hmm. because everybody was trying to do The Matrix without really understanding what made that movie special. What year did The Born Identity come out? 2002. Yeah, so yeah. I was about to say, this is the time where everyone was collectively 
depressed about how bad action flicks were because they didn't have any punch and then you have something like the born identity comes out where you have it like shaky cam right like, they did it first and they did it best um but, but then it, everybody tried to do yeah. it yeah uh but there, there's definitely like you never believe a punch lands in charlie's angels the, no yeah that that was one of the biggest parts about this era too was uh i i always enjoy watching videos of like how special effects were done or how stunts were done and there's so many they used all of like the tricks yeah but they used them all as if they were doing it kind of for the first time but there were movies who were doing better uh i, I won't say there's a lot of movies who are doing it great yeah but there, there's just so many times where you're just like oh yeah you know we cut for a reason all all that stuff well, we're, we're getting like we're kind of in a new era of action movies, which I'm really liking because it's it's a lot of like uh, mid range shots of like long continuous takes. We're not doing all the quick editing or the shaky cuts or anything like that. Like we can see that the choreography is actually happening. Like it take like a John Wick or the raid yeah. or something like Ugh. that. You feel the impact of those scenes and they're gripping because you're getting to like actually sit back and watch it happen. And I, I think something that might even be more related to this is like the Jackie Chan movies yeah. where you'd mm -hmm. get a lot of stuff like that. But the problem that we're getting is that you were, we're missing a lot of the weight behind it. We're right. missing a lot of, like you don't have to go full like John Wick brutality with it, yeah. But you still have to go just a little bit more than like we just basically. It looks like you kind of you put a lot of effort into that, and the effect was that you so, basically slapped him. I don't know, like I don't know whether or not it's because it's a time period of action movies at this time period, or because it's a female-led action draw, uh, action film. Because like I feel like there's so few opportunities for women to lead action films that there's not a lot of good examples of of, of uh, i mean outside of hong kong yeah, uh, yeah. Where, uh like where you like have the heroic these, trio and yeah stuff like that yeah um but i don't know like what i really loved uh about charlie's angels i think one of the things that endears me the most is i love the flips and the the flipping back and forth of old adventures yeah like because you feel like the you feel like these women have known each other for a long time yeah. you feel like they will know each other going forward you feel like they care about each other like it maybe a punch doesn't feel like it lands but emotionally it feels like they love each other yeah yeah and I, uh, it's the same thing that always tends to happen with movies like this movie was a success and so they were able to get away with it and then Anytime a female-led action movie like isn't a rousing success, they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess apparently that doesn't work. Meanwhile, men get to fail over and over and over and yeah. over again, and it's not really considered part of the Oh, trend. don't even get me started on Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, like, it's such a weird... Look, that one was a whiff, but like she shouldn't be put in movie jail forever for yeah. that. I mean, come on. Uh, well, Iron Man 2, anyone? Uh, right yeah I, exactly I, incredible hulk yeah yeah all of uh, three out of four of the thor movies yeah yeah it, it's it's such an interesting thing about how the one of the main problems is there's a lot of a lot of like the the movies where you see good choreography you see good fight scenes yeah it's like people who know what they're doing they know how to potentially fight already yeah and they're just adapting into this there's a lot of women who know how to fight, who can do these things. Just look at so many of the stunt performers yeah. who are doing so many of these things. Yeah, they're um, not all men. The, it's cast one of them. 
Like, there's people that you can cast who know how to, who can make a good fight scene. Yeah. But we're just choosing Ugh. to go for names and not. That's not, yeah, but then it's, sometimes. But sometimes they're not. People. I guess, yeah, that's right. Like, like Gina really, Carano. Yeah, or, like, like yeah. I loved her in The Mandalorian, and then she turns out to be a psycho yes. transphobe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and so, but like, I do think going forward, like, having, like, uh, actually booking people who know how to throw a punch like the like it's just the experience the practice i think everywhere everyone everywhere everything 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 everywhere all at once is such a good example of action that it's you don't even it's the action's so good you don't even it doesn't it, it like this fantastical world doesn't matter yeah uh because you believe every punch yeah yeah and that's it's it's a thing where to me it's like it can be done but again the the current thing of the industry is uh it's a incredibly risk averse industry yeah so they're whenever they see one of these things where they cast a female well, they see it as taking a risk it's not just a risk is also because women with muscles are taboo in a lot of situations yeah so they were dismissed they're not, as not being feminine enough or not or, being yeah. bankable yeah uh or being stars um so actually having that sort of like heft behind a punch uh is definitely not necessarily um seen as uh is bankable yeah, well and, I, and I i think that's part of the problem with the fight scenes here they're they're still trying to make them seem very dainty i guess or like yeah there there's something about it they seem to be pulling him back well, and it's, it's just not... the fact that you never really buy that this is cameron well, diaz so... like doing these kicks or you well know. and the wushu like the wire foo is so uh is so um distance there's like and they it don't go over fit the, the vibe of this movie right well yeah. they go over the top with it like the like the and they go over the top in such a way that they imitate it in the video game which i don't know if time to segue <laughs> oh i think it might be time well, are we this, ready to do we have any final thoughts about the movie here one thing that i noticed too watching the movie was uh similar to this there's just a few different things where i'm like uh this is very men written uh, there were the different scenes. There's like the whole indie car deal. Yeah. They're like, let's put them in cars. But like right before that, let's like show some skin. But then they also took like every opportunity they could to throw innuendo in there. Yeah. And I was like, it always, a lot of them felt just a little forced where I was like, well, especially because, like, they go to pains to stress that these women are the most hyper-competent people on the planet, and so they're always undercutting it with, like, a giggle or something like that. So, like, it feels yeah. – or, or a costume change, you know. So it is a bit of a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too thing. But, I, you know, this movie really got a pass with critics when it came out at the time because I think everybody sort of got on board with – the spirit of it like they're like yeah okay we could probably nitpick this like we i think we've proven we can definitely nitpick this <laughs> but at the end of the day it has an infectious spirit to it that makes it pretty fun to watch and oh. i feel like the goodwill towards the series ended immediately with the sequel but uh i think people were willing to extend it some goodwill and just say like yeah no this this thing is quite fun well, and I think it was really interesting that they cast Drew Barrymore in the role as the wild child, like playing off of her reputation. Yeah. Uh, that existed, um, and um, 
I think yeah like it, it's just really interesting there's just like there there's this fine line and you don't know how to, like I, I feel like most of us are saying the same thing is we don't know how to feel about these situations where it's using women's sexuality as a joke but they're also like that's one of the best parts about being a comedian it's like sometimes you get to be you get to be sexy funny yeah uh, so like they them choosing it is is the part of their agency and a part of what makes the movie like really work yeah uh, is their choice but at the same time like it's it's really fun to see drew barrymore like be so attractive in a speed suit yeah uh, i mean look i wasn't complaining when that scene came on I was no like, i was, I was right. watching it with my flatmate and there was numerous times where he's all like oh dear god yeah uh, because they're very attractive women um and it she's was... licking a steering wheel for some reason <laughs> okay that part yeah. i was like look the steering wheel's not clean i'm just saying germs <laughs> it probably like, tastes like old one. gloves yeah what, uh, did the movie where cameron diaz literally fucks a car come out first oh the counselor no that came out after okay, this yeah, right. yeah. what is by that Charlie's angels what is Excuse this me. what is going what? on oh, what the counselor you gotta check that one out it's a it's a cormac mccarthy script it's got like michael fassbender i think Javier cormac Bardem. mccarthy yeah the road is actually about people just sleeping with cars <laughs> really I, I, didn't, I didn't get that she, i didn't get that when i read that book <laughs> she has a scene in that where she gives a monologue while she's humping the hood of a car it's very weird uh yeah the, the counselor check that one out it's bizarre uh, but and, yeah, so that did not happen. Recommendation. In this movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a good note to that, transition good to the game on because uh, I think we're going to have a lot to say about this game here. Um, so the Charlie's Angels video game. So this is it's just called Charlie's Angels, although it was released in conjunction with uh, Full Throttle, but it, it's like kind of not really based on either. It's a Full Throttle game. It's got Bernie Mac as Bosley. It has Natalie wearing an outfit she literally wears in the first scene of Full Throttle in okay. the same setting. It's a Full Throttle. It's game. got the Carmen San Diego plot, yeah, for, yeah from the, the movie. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, is, so is that I, the plot of the? No. Oh, okay. No. So uh, <laughs> it, it almost seems like it's intended to be a like hey, a filler hey, hey, in between. We're it Sorry. Up. We're uh, it apologies up. to uh, listeners if we're uh, talking about a Full Throttle game while watching only the first movie, but I, I think the the. Box art was not very clear about that. The Wikipedia article was not very clear about that. So I was not really sure what to expect. I kind of wanted to go into this game uh, as dark as I could because really the only thing I knew about this game is that it had a reputation as one of the worst games ever made. Uh, and I wanted to see exactly why. Because I'm an aficionado of really, really terrible games. I track them down. I try to play them if I can. Because, uh, you know, for the same reason I love a good bad movie. is because they're, they're patently ridiculous and it's funny to see how far they fail. And, oh boy, did this deliver. Boy, if you had done more than just boot this game up. Would that have ruined the vibe going into it? Because we were like, all right, Charlie's Angels game. What is this? And then quickly we learned what this was. So, I mean, so a couple of things to note about this. Uh, this uh, came out on July 8th, 2003. It was released exclusively on the GameCube in the U.S. There was going to be a PS2 port, and they canceled it for some reason. I can't imagine. Turns out it maybe got some bad press or something. Uh, but this is developed by Nico Entertainment and published by Ubisoft. Now, this is the very, very first game that Nico Entertainment ever made. You can't tell. No, you can. Um, was it the last one? It was not. They lasted up until 2016. They released most of their stuff in France. 
Uh, they are the team responsible for uh, games like Crazy Frog Racer. And yes, uh, for those of you old enough, that is a kart racing game based on a ringtone. So that's where we're, was we were a, at. It was a full song. Who, who do you think is not old enough to remember Crazy Frog? I, Some people listening. I've never heard of Crazy Frog. You've never really? heard of Crazy it's, Frog? It's, I, you got, I, I, was, I was living abroad for a good segment of my life. Oh, see, this feels weirdly European, so I don't know. It feels like something that would have gotten over there, but it's just an annoying noise. It's literally an annoying noise, and then a frog with his dick hanging out. I'm sure if you heard okay. it, you would recognize the noise. It's just that... The crazy frog has no relation to the noise. It, uh, yeah, honestly. But apparently he has fact a... They say crazy frog in the song, but... But apparently they have like three video games Literally, about crazy frog. Literally, you guys are be talking about something on another planet. I have never heard of this. <laughs> all right, we're going to play crazy frog for you after the show. It was at all of the bowling alleys. <laughs> honestly, yeah. They also made some of the Bratz games. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the start menu is the same. Okay, that would explain it. That would explain it. We were, we were playing the game, and Ayla was just like, yeah, they, they're using some of the same like interface as the Bratz games, and that's why. They learned. They learned and made the Bratz games better. Oh boy. Okay. So I've uh, legitimately never heard of a single game that they developed. Yeah, a lot of them were never released here or they're based on like French animated films that never came out over here like lots of weird stuff there. Um so the, the right off the bat a, a couple of strong things this move this game has that surprised me. First of all, all three actresses from the movie reprise their voices here. Uh kind of surprisingly, I did not think they would be involved in this, but this was the era, as we proved last week with Scarface, where celebrities were turning up to voice video games. A lot of them had it in their contracts that they had to. Um, um, so they are all here. Also, like the opening credits, like the opening title screen, they're starting playing like uh, uh, Get Free by the Hives, like the actual song. And I'm like, OK, they, they paid to have a soundtrack here. It was the last song I think we heard. I think it was. Yeah. For as for as uh, they, they paid to have that one song. So uh, good on them. Otherwise, we had uh, generic action movie music or action game music. So I made a dig about Carmen Sandiego earlier, but. That's literally the same plot here. This is about a criminal who's going around the world stealing landmarks. Okay, we learn this because we see the Statue of Liberty disappearing, followed by the headline which says, New York City is orphan. Because Why? apparently <laughs> Lady Liberty so was much. the mother of the whole city. Didn't you know that... <laughs> She's mom in New York. She's mom in New York. That's what that's what she, they call her, mom in New York. She's mom in New York, and there is no daddy New York. <laughs> she's just a tough single mom making it on her own. Good for her. And the then New somebody York kidnaps her. Oh, terrible! But they also stole like what the Parthenon and the they stole Lincoln like a, Monument. Yeah, Island Easter Island heads. Yeah, yeah. they stole I all of these know, things. I want to know how the fuck do you steal the Lincoln Monument? Very well, carefully. A lot of work. <laughs> Like, yeah, how, how do you how do you steal it and get away with it? How do you steal Ask David the Copperfield. Statue of Liberty. At least yeah. the Statue of Liberty is like you out there what? on an island. When yeah. I was a child, I never doubted Carmen San Diego's ability to steal these things. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I believed in her. Look, I you know she she has an ability, and that game set that like, tone. They're like, yeah, oh yeah, this is her thing. She just steals. The entire city. Like, you know. stealing Stonehenge? I could see that being an operation you could underdo what in, like, a night. Would that be easy? People just have yeah, access to here. cranes that they can, like, <laughs> that, really subtly right. put there? The money, it's, it's a building. 
like, how do you how do you know that he like how do you know that they stole the building and not just the statue? Yeah, I was picturing just the statue. Oh, okay. I was picturing the oh, whole. Oh, so they like building. left the plinth or whatever Have and you just not pulled the. Seen those trucks with houses on the back on the freeway? <laughs> oh, I've been stuck behind them when they were going on non-truck routes, and the police had to come shut down roads so they could back that shit out, go somewhere else, and then I could finish going home. You know I like it when they back that shit out. I, I literally, <laughs> my my therapist texted me one time, and it's like, hey, are you running late? And I said, yes, sorry, there's a house in the way. And he called me, because he thought I, he's like, this is a distressing text to get. I oh, he thought you, you, you were like agoraphobic or something? Like, like, no, 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 no. I, I'm on the road, stopped at a stoplight, watching a house back up right now, <laughs> waiting for it to get out of the way. Um, it was about to cross a bridge that was not wide enough for it. Speaking of things to back up, we um, oh, we, yeah, we, we enter far. we enter into this. Um, okay, well, we should say the, uh, the opening cutscene made me feel like there might be a little bit of promise. Okay, yeah. like the 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 cutscene animations don't look. It's terrible. It's a it's a pre-rendered cutscene um, that looks about as good as you would get at that time period. It and looked the average. The lip syncing does indicate that this was dubbed in French, you know, and then uh, uh, cycle back. But we have the three girls; they're all there doing their own voices. Bernie Mac is standing in for Bosley, not his voice. Uh, definitely also not John Forsyth as Charlie. Um, but the three actresses are there. Until, and I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, all right, so far so good. And, and then, then we the get bikini to competition. the game. Their mission is to infiltrate a bikini competition on the docks. That's not their mission. That's just how they start. But okay, why, why is it why is it being why? held next to an industrial fishery? <laughs> like, so, legitimately, a park there. for the workers. I can't think of a th- <laughs> out for the workers. It's in their union contract. The Teamsters Union organized this bikini contest. It's like their Christmas bonus. <laughs> hey, yo, show us the latest fashions over it was, here. It was also like at night. It was at night. It wasn't in the daylight. Yeah. I will say they infiltrate dock workers in bikinis in full throttle. Okay, all right. Do they? So, yes, they do. All right, so they are following the plot of Full Throttle. They're just advertising it as the first movie. We fucked up Did here, they? folks. We should have watched so, Full Throttle. Uh, well, in th- like I was about to say that they were wearing, they were more scantily clad in the opening of this video game than they ever were in the entirety yeah. of the of the film of yeah. Charlie's Angels. Yes. I think they go like implied nude at one point in That's the sequel. That's in Full Throttle. Yeah. That's, in, yeah. That's when they're infiltrating. The dock the workers. Docks. Okay, there we yeah. go. So it finally all makes sense. We've squared that. It's there, all good. There was also the scene in the first one where they are like scubaing up, and you see the frontal shot as they start to unzip, and then it cuts to the back shot. Yeah. As you see them fully like unzip their tops. Okay. Yeah. So we get go into a cave to change. Yeah, but that's implied but nudity. Yes. That's like, but they're uh, so scantily clad. They're wearing, in this. Um, we were making jokes about dead or alive beach volleyball. Yeah, we were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so here, here's here's the thing. So we talked about the cutscenes and how like they they don't look perfect, but you know for 2003 video game cutscene renditions, they looked basically like the actresses playing them. The in-game models look like Pennywise. Like they <laughs> look fucking horrifying. Like Natalie's got some weird kind of fangs coming every which way out of her face. And like it looks like she's wearing like a like a mop or something on her head. Like the, the articulation on her hair 
is completely insane. And watching them walk, like they were doing their little model walk it on the catwalk. It reminded me of uh, Silent Hill. <laughs> yes, the nurses. Yeah, yeah. I felt like they were going to consume me or something. Yeah, it's such a weird thing. And then we were like, you know, playing the game and we'll get to the gameplay probably pretty soon. But we're like, okay, after you, the way this works is similar to other games that might have multiple protagonists. You play as one protagonist, you get to a certain point, okay, now the other protagonist needs to come in to do it. Yeah. So, like, you get to a gate, you call over, you call up the other, one of the other angels, and they're like, yeah, I got you. They infiltrate from a different point, yeah. open the gate for you to let you through. But that happens, we go from uh, Carmen Diaz over to Lucy Liu. Did you just say back- Carmen Diaz? Carmen, uh, Cameron. Cameron Diaz, yeah. yeah. Uh, Carmen San Diego. Yes. yes. Uh, they're both in very scantily clad uh, bikinis. They're not in bikinis. She's in underwear because she's who has a, 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 garter. a garter belt. I think it's supposed to be like a gun thing. Like it's supposed like, to be utility. Like a utility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like around her thigh. But here, here's another thing that offers a lot of utility. Pants. Yeah, she could be wearing <laughs> pants. She wasn't at the bikini contest. She literally pulls her phone out of her cooter at one point. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, we're eventually going to get to to the Drew Barrymore character, and we do, and she's just in clothes. Yeah, she's, she's, she's wearing comes a, out of the ocean too. She, she comes, comes out, of out of the ocean wearing like low, low riders and a crop top, but uh, she is that, still wearing clothes. That show off her butterfly tattoo that is which right I below her belly. Don't button. remember from the movie. No, no but it did spark it, a, uh, a a vigorous off mic conversation about Crazy Town. So uh, we lo- yeah. we learned that Justin uh, is a super fan of the band Crazy Look, Town. I was able to name names. <laughs> Oh hush, Gunther. <laughs> Gunther doesn't like crazy. Dad. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, no. I mean, he 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 is my butterfly, sugar baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, it, uh, so automatically off put by the really creepy looking designs of these characters. Then we get to the gameplay itself. So you just kind of start on the catwalk, infiltrating this model like competition, and then With- the other model on the stage attacks you. The, there is legitimately no information given to you. you no. know, it's like you get the mission briefing, which is like infiltrate the thing, and you're like, oh, okay. And then it just cuts to a bikini contest. And, and then you're immediately supposed a, to punch the shit out of everybody. An NPC that the model looks better than the main characters do does the catwalk walk and then switches off with Cameron Diaz who does the catwalk walk yeah. and then you take over as Cameron Diaz and everybody in the vicinity starts trying to beat you up. Yes. Okay, so this this is like a classic like arcade style beat 'em up game. Uh but for there's a good reason that this genre didn't really make it past like the 2D era. It's because it's a really awkward gameplay genre uh, in they, 3D. They were, Speaking of awkward some that do well in 3D. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Speaking this is not one of, them. of awkward. The camera angles. Okay, we do not get any control over our camera in this. It's all at these fixed points. Um, And it's like Resident Evil style almost, except uh, shaky. It's like if Resident Evil was shaking the entire time. Yeah, because it's, it's actively tracking, but there's no... There's no, like, smoothing on the tracking. It is, like, homing in on you. So as your character's doing punches and kicks, it's, like, jiggling around with you, which is just annoying. And it's also, there's, like, no anti-aliasing, so there's a lot of pixels going on. Frame rates, frames are getting dropped all the time. I mean, and we... 
A couple of us got nauseous from it. Yes, yeah. I was feeling queasy. You had to take an ibuprofen. <laughs> like it was it was bad. Like it's a hard game to physically look at. And the reward you get for looking at it is just the same attacks over and over. You have a punch, you have a kick. That's kind you, of all it. When, you also have a block. But there is no, like, many games that are like this will have, you can block into, like, a counter or something. That was no. There was so, not one of those. Speaking of my early almost transition, uh, mm. and talking about Wirefu in the movie, they yeah. have a Wirefu combo that is the most useless. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think Ailish was the one who managed to, like... J-Ban did it. Oh, you guys both discovered it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But discovered then Ailish was the first one to hit someone No, I never, I never I figured it, it out. Oh, no, okay. J-Ban's was the first to hit yeah, someone with I didn't it. Yeah, nobody, but it, was, it took me... Maybe a good ten minutes before I was able to hit somebody because it was so useless. This is a jumping bicycle kick style combo. It's like a little flutter. Yeah, you're you you jump in the air and you're slowly come down. You flutter your feet, but like you need to be so ridiculously close to Jake or Jake or possibly Jake. Yeah. Oh my god. Or Algar. Algar. (laughs) Algar. So so this has the classic final fight tradition of like naming all of your generic baddies, but they didn't really stress themselves like <laughs> it, renaming the characters it has my favorite naming system ever where all of the names are not randomly given they are all assigned so every time you hit this part of the level it's going to be the same people's names but each style of character because there's only like there's like two different colors of like shirt of each style of character yeah and that's it but each style of character all of their names start with the same letter this is so weird. Yeah. Recycle the same three letters. Yeah. You get a J and A. Oh no, you get you get A B. No, no A's. No, it's yeah. In no, the first, A's first level, like girls. girls are A's. Oh, and, and Alvin got, and Algar. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And then we get J, B, and C as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is so weird. It's a. It's a. The first level is just A B J. The second level is C D J. So like they're working through the uh, alphabet, but they also just give you J and all and these. And so random. yeah. Uh, the the J's in the first part are the himbos. Okay, uh, these are the himbos. All right, I'm glad to like, get some clarity. They're the on this. big, strong guys who are just wearing like swim trunks. Okay, um, which weirdly just kind of show up at certain points on the docks. Yeah, and you're like, wait, why are you here? Uh, the bees are Bob the Builders. Yeah, <laughs> they're like mechanics who are just like hard hats and a wrench. Uh, it's so wild. Yeah, sometimes you'll walk into a room and you won't see any enemies, but you'll get hit in the face with a wrench that's thrown from off screen. <laughs> a knife you had... flying from out of frame, and you're like, what? You had no way to uh, know that was coming or defend yourself. So there's three very bad attacks. And yeah. you think, there's been a million fighting video games, and they've always managed to have to work with it and to make it riveting and fun and Somehow this fails to do any of that. I, I literally... It is so repetitive. In yes. the first level, I started mentioning combos. And I'm like, there, there's no combo system. Like, you can't go, you know, XXB into whatever. Like, you can't transition into and get, like, a longer combo. There's no intricacy to this system. And then we get to the second level. And as soon as we start the second it's level, the third it pops level. up... Third level? It's the third level. The third level, it pops up on the screen and says, combos unlocked. And I'm like... What? And to be that's, clear, the combos are just press the same button three times. That's, that's also the first time. Level three is the first time you ever get any instruction on what buttons do what. Yes. Right. Exactly. You think this first section would be 
a tutorial or something. Like we just had to like trial and error. It's like, okay, this is a lock on button. Okay, and this is a yeah. It's also the first time that Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu put clothes on. Yes. <laughs> Takes the whole a while. first two levels, they're still in their bikini slash underwear. So it, they the the actresses do uh say lines when they like uh complete a mission or or like activate a switch or something like that. But the fighting noises are 100% not them. Yeah. And uh, I think, J-Ben, you were going particularly crazy with the noises that the Cameron Diaz character was making. Natalie. And uh, it's like this weird mixture between, like, uh, uh uh-oh, ouch, and sex that it's just so... Fucking oh, annoying. Sex. <laughs> so I, after hearing it a few times, I was emulating the noise as I do because uh, that's me. Wait, can um, we hear it, Justin? I, I, it's been too long since I've heard I'm it. My, my memory doesn't go uh, back. I think you're too shy. I think you're too shy. No, no, I'm trying to. Yeah, it, it's so weird. But after doing it a couple times, I was like, oh, I know what this is. I know, I know. This remind remembered. This reminded me of something that sounds so similar, and it's the sounds that the the, the villagers make in Minecraft. <laughs> it's just those sounds are just like pitch shifted downward, but it's the same general like, huh? And you're like, what? <laughs> what was this noise? Oh, but if you just amazing. go, huh? You're like, oh, that's a zombie or that's a villager in Minecraft. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, <laughs> Oh God! See, so I have not weird. played enough Minecraft to know what they sound to remember exactly what they sound like. So I, oh, I, I, I think we've Trust cracked me. a conspiracy here. <laughs> inspired by Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Inspired by Charlie's <laughs> Angels. Minecraft was also heavily inspired by Charlie's Angels. Well, Angels, we need you to find out who stole our IP for a video <laughs> game from Sweden. Who keeps stealing the gla- the grass blocks? Dan Enderman. <laughs> oh man, that would be a great reveal. Yeah, I mean, we never encountered any kind of boss or anything. I don't know if there are. I assume there are boss battles eventually, Gotta but be. it was just the same generic waves of enemies. And like most beat-up games, you have to beat a certain number of enemies on a certain screen before you can progress. And that number is all of them. It's all of them. And sometimes they're like literally stuck in a wall and you can't find where they are. You have to wander around hitting invisible walls until you locate them. Like yeah. this game is broken. Like it barely functions. And Can- and again, we you think we're exaggerating. We have fully described how intuitive the combat system is. Yeah. There is nothing that we've left out. There there's technically a lock-on system which literally just points you at the person and makes it easier to hit them. Yeah. But it's the every time you press the kick button, you do the same kick. Every time you press the punch button, you do the same punch. And you just spam kicks and punch the whole game. Yeah. That's it. That's the game. Can we talk about the ladder that j had? <laughs> oh, my God. We found two different ladders, and they were both... Well, I guess we found three ladders. Two of them were next to each other. Yeah. And both of them were fucking dumb. It took, like, what? I would say 35 years to get to the top of this ladder, <laughs> and we had to look at, like, digital Lucy Lou butt going up the entire time, which I so, feel like was the reason they made that ladder yeah. so long. Uh, have you ever... It's, you know, on docks, anybody who's like familiar with docks from like movies or video games or whatever they have like those big crane like machines that can pick up and move shipping containers like cranes and like it's the same thing playing like grand theft auto where when you're climbing up the ladders of those things you're just like dear god when does this shit ever end yeah that's exactly what happens in this game where you literally it's on rails you could have just gone up 
until you weren't in the screen anymore and then cut the camera to the top. It took, and you were just coming up on top. It took there, so long. It was but ridiculous. no, you go the whole way up and the camera just follows you the whole way. Yeah. Up. How much did you age climbing up that ladder? <laughs> <laughs> years, years, years and years. Um, well, it's so funny. Um, I don't know if we're going to get to the... Um, scoring because i have some interesting things to say yeah we can uh i mean yeah do we have any final things to say about the charlie's angels game we clearly all love now it. when you say scoring are you referring to the scores in the game that seem to have zero relevance to anything whatsoever or the scoring this of the my game? personal scoring or movie. in oh, the okay. um in all of the video games that we've played so far all right well one last thing i need to say is that your method for recovering health in this game is going to vary depending on which angel you're controlling well, it's the same technically so but... like Lucy Lou eats a muffin. That makes sense. That it's establishes her blueberry muffin. it's her blueberry muffin. She yeah. cares about it in the movies. Like that is an important thing to establish that food regenerates health. Okay, we get that. But then Dylan has a lighter. Like, is she eating the lighter? And then Natalie has a CD. So, like, I just imagine Cameron Diaz with Look, her freaky Pennywise mouth is just crunching on some plastic. <laughs> she the importance of the teeth. lighter is clarified in Full Throttle. No, I understand that. even more certain this is a Full Throttle game. I so, mean, the lighter is in the first game. If you've I've never tried to eat a CD before, you are missing out. <laughs> It's a delicacy. In a some lot of parts. bites. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and the, the one other thing I want to say, too, is that similar to Wayne's World, which is a property that revolves around having two characters, uh, this is a property that revolves around having three characters, which means it is ideal for a multiplayer video game. It's on the GameCube, which has four controller ports right in the top. This is a single-player game. There are no multiplayer options at all. You can almost salvage like something fun out of this if you had like on-the-couch co-op or something like that. And but honestly, nothing. if it had two people beating up the bad guys, it would just go faster and not feel like as big of a goddamn drag. Yeah. But no, there it's just you against... I, I joked that I would love to see a counter of how many people you beat up because it, the first level is on the docks, the second level is on a ship... I you probably beat up an entire small town while just trans, like moving around that boat. Yeah, it's like a container ship, and you literally beat up like three hundred people. On probably, it. yeah, yeah. With like a green snot coming off your feet and fists every yeah. time you take a swing. It's like weird, like a whole battleship worth of people. But this is a, a cargo ship. <laughs> And they're all clearly just like union workers trying and to do their it's job. it's not like each one gets one or two punches. Each one takes... Like six. Ten? ten? No, no. Oh, that's okay. like six. It was much more than that. Jarvis took like 15. Okay. Well, yeah. eventually they learn how to block, bumpers. and that just only serves to make it longer. Because you can't break the block. You just have to keep punching into the block. Uh, well, so, yeah, it you, does start to get longer and longer and more drawn out. You can pick up weapons, too, along the way, but they don't really seem to make a noticeable impact. They, like, I, maybe you'll go down from, like, 10 hits to 8 or something. I I will say that they, they do make a—to me, they made a noticeable impact. It wasn't huge, though, but mm. it was like, oh, okay, you know, this was—that guy went down a lot quicker, but it breaks after, like, three people. Yeah. You're like, all right, well, there's another— 14 before the next time i'll see a weapon damn american made <laughs> wrenches it's like yeah some guys come at you with wrenches and sometimes you can pick them up some guys come at you with knives and sometimes you can pick them up you would think running around swinging a knife would go a lot faster than it does yeah yeah you would think so it's, it felt almost like the knife and the wrench did the same amount of damage well, I, I think we're ready to move on to our rankings here. Um, I, I have a pretty good idea where we're going to largely go. 
But for listeners, we rank these games and movies based on a good movie, from a scale of good movie, good game, to bad movie, bad game, and then every variation in between. Uh, J-Ben, why don't you take us there? So uh, I feel like this game has, because of its incredible boredom, uh, hit a new low for me, at least with Vertigo, my so far my worst game that we've played, is you have the entertainment of watching a train wreck. Uh, You don't have the entertainment of watching a train wreck in this. It's so, it's so, it's not even that the graphics are that bad, though they're bad. Uh, it's not that the story is bad, though it's bad. It's just the incredible tediousness of the combat system. The yes. combat I love fighting games. I love fighting aliens. Uh, like you, I can, I will play, but like. Um, Earth Defense Force for fucking hours. Absolutely. Oh my god, uh, that is such a fun game. <laughs> Great pull. I love those games. <laughs> but like I love fighting games and I will love I, I will grind in a fighting game, but this was so unfun. So and I do feel like this movie is fun. And I feel like they really missed the mark with the uh lighthearted, lovely funness of the movie. Uh that so I'm going to say it was a good movie, bad game. Or so far, worst game so far. Oof! All right, Damn. shots fired on that one. Yeah, it, like I think maybe if there was more dialogue or whatever in the game, it could have made it any even just a bit better. But yeah, it was just like thoroughly a bad, boring game. Like there was nothing about it that was really fun or redeeming uh, the whole time, uh, unless you enjoy staring at pixelated people in bikinis. But. Uh, you know, even at the time, there was probably better things you could do. There were better uh, options. There are better yeah. video games for Look, ogly I women. I had LimeWire. <laughs> Look, Tomb Raider was out there. You know, you could right. make her like press her back against the wall, and there like weird little triangle boobs will pop out <laughs> from around the corner. You could do that if you were desperate. <laughs> Uh, Elish, where did you come Just down like, in this one? Da, 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 da. Wait, wait, did you rate the movie? Rate the movie no. Oh, sorry, sorry. So funny about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I thought it was an alright movie. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely a movie that came out in 2000, but uh, yeah, uh, it was fun. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it it is an ultimate popcorn movie. Yeah. I think I I uh, put it in the good movie category. I don't think I'll ever see it again. But yeah. nothing wrong with that. How about you, Alish? Where do you come down on oh, that? Great movie, fantastic okay. movie. Uh, really bad game. I won't say it's the worst game I've ever played because I have played worse with you. Probably yeah. On your other podcast, or your old podcast. That's right. Yeah, I made you play the uh, Penguins uh, of Madagascar. Penguins of Madagascar game. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> you, you want to come on that episode when we do that? Are we gonna? Do, I mean, with Madagascar is I, on the list. I'm pretty. We're sure. doing all the Madagascars. Yeah. I'll come on that episode. And I'll be really angry. <laughs> <laughs> so that's true. I have made you play a few worse like, ones, but. This one actually is one of only a handful of games that I felt like physically uh, affected by, like in the sense, like uh, the fact that it was making me feel a little queasy to look at it because it's yeah. just so shaky. And, and I so had to take blurry. ibuprofen. Yeah, you know, and look, we're playing on a GameCube, but I've got a really nice like upscaler that like makes it look good on an HD TV, and like it, we were given it every fair shake to look good, and this game really did not uh, want to rise to that yes. challenge. Uh, it's, it's a pretty, I, I will, I will say like, I like it a little more than maybe something like Vertigo or ET because 
there's some camp value here. Like there's some good, bad game value here. Even if it's just to like show people how terrible this is, like how laughably bad. Um, but even then, like the trick with bad video games is that like it needs to be at least borderline entertaining enough to keep you going. Like a bad movie, you can sort of tune out and just sort of let it happen. But a bad game, you need to be a little bit more engaged. This is not engaging in any way. The gameplay is so boring. Uh, but I do think the movie is a lot of fun. I think the movie is, you know, it's got some problematic elements, but it is largely harmless. And I think it's uh, uh, just kind of a good vibey summer movie and actually a surprisingly good time capsule for the year 2000. If you ever <laughs> really want to see what that's like. Well, thank you so much, Ailish, for being our very first guest. Thank Woo! you for being here. Yeah. Glad yeah. to be beyond the phone. Yes, yes. We yeah. do appreciate you uh, uh, hollering facts about whales from the other room, but it's glad that we could, I'm glad we could get you on the show itself. Um, so, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You What's can, next? Uh, well, you can. Uh, we're going to be going into another miniseries next. Um, another two-movie miniseries to another sh- nice short one to knock out, but... Uh, uh, definitely a very strange one, maybe one that uh, does not necessarily lend itself to gamifying as much as the Gremlins movies did. <laughs> we're doing a mini series on the Blues Brothers. Woo-hoo! So we're starting next week. We're going to be do- watching the Blues Brothers from 1980 and playing the NES game that uh, corresponded with that 12 years later. And then we're going to be following that up with Blues Brothers 2000, which despite its name is from 1998. And there is a rather infamous Nintendo 64 game based on that movie that we are going to thoroughly enjoy. So uh, I'm excited to get into these and uh, talk about these uh, these movies, which are a mixed bag, but a lot of fun. Um, Classics. Yes. Classics, I'm, I say. All right. I think I think we might, we might butt heads on this one a little bit, but I do like the first movie. So uh, we will see you all next week for the first Blues Brothers. So uh, check us out then. Goodbye, Good Angels. Luck. Have fun.